0: Hey folks! If you've been tuning in over the last couple months, you've heard all about the Game Time app and how it can save you some serious cash on last-minute tickets to sports, concerts, all types of shows. If you want to go to the Sugar Bowl, it's your app. Tickets to New Orleans—they're going to drop close to game time. So if you're going to travel down to New Orleans, if if you don't have tickets yet, you'll be able to get them at the last minute with Game Time. Also, GameTime is hooking you up for the holidays with ten dollars credit. Here's what to do. Download the Game Time app in the Google Play or App Store. Click on the My Tickets section of the app, create an account, then under the billing section, redeem code the athletic. Again, that's the athletic, all one word for $10 off your first purchase. That's free money, people. Credit is only available to the first 1,000 people who redeem, and it expires at the end of the year. That's December 31st, 2019. So make moves quick and score last-minute tickets. on their face with a hot nail boot and broke their nose. We just crushed their face.
1: Hello, everybody. This is Seth Emerson. This is uh, the Damn Good Podcast, as you heard in the intro, but change it up a little bit. I'm coming to you live from New Orleans, Louisiana, with someone different, Max Olson. Hello, hello. Max is, uh, you are, now you don't cover Baylor, per se, as the <laughs> beat writer the way I cover Georgia, but you... Are based in Austin.
2: I'm, I'm based in Lincoln, Nebraska now. Oh, I was okay. based in Austin. I'm way behind. That's okay. Yeah. That's okay. okay. Chip Towers asked me in the elevator, Max, do you cover Baylor full time? And I said, no, Chip. No, I, I, I don't. I, I knew <laughs> that. You didn't. Like I knew That's okay. That. Yeah. Yeah, okay. yeah. So national college football reporter, but spent a lot of time covering the uh, the Big 12 over the years. So mm-hmm. made sense to uh, follow up on the Big 12's uh, surprise team of the year at the, at the Sugar Bowl.
1: And there's stuff going on. Now, we've written a lot. A lot of things have been said about Georgia's distractions and yeah. the people that aren't here. Baylor's got its own, right?
2: Yeah, they do. Uh, it seems like everyone wants to hire their head coach again. Um, you know, and after his first year at Baylor, Matt Rule interviewed with the Indianapolis Colts, even though he was a 111 coach. They were they were that interested in him. After year two, um, you know, interviewed with the the New York Jets was a front runner for the job. Um, almost took the job. And now, after year three, after they go eleven and two and, and play for a Big Twelve title and uh, you know have, have a top ten kind of season, now uh, it, it appears the New York Giants and Carolina Panthers both uh, want to uh, sit down with Rule and, and seriously consider him for their head coaching job. Which is not going to happen this week. It's not going to happen uh, prior to this game. But uh, it's certainly something that has got uh,
1: got Baylor fans worried. You wonder about the distraction part of it. Um, You've been around Baylor, and I know you've been talking to people, kind of working Mm -hmm. this story. Is it something that they're kind of used to by now, so it won't really figure into their focus level for this game, or could it be a a big deal?
2: Yeah, it's a good question. I think that because this is the third round of this, uh, in talking with their players this week at at the media availabilities, they all kind of say this. They, they all say the right thing, and they all they all say it pretty confidently. That um, they really trust Matt Rule, and if he's going to make a move, he's going to tell them first, and then he's going to be he's going to be straightforward and and transparent with them. And he's he's been that way uh, in the past, and so they they really believe that this time will be no different. So I think the players. Um, you know they they pretty consistently said this week there's they're they're locked in on this scheme and 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 kind of blocking that stuff out but you do wonder how much that pops up yeah. um, in, in the heads of of, of everybody involved cuz certainly those kind of things involve uh, his, his coaching staff too and their futures but uh i think they're saying all the right things but i am curious how much that that shows up in in the product on wednesday
1: i'm thinking back to for some reason the the television show coach uh Craig T. nelson <laughs> when he he's all excited cuz he's going to take an nfl job and he's trying to keep it secret and then his players like burst in with this headline this is in the old days of when there were newspapers yes yeah, yeah. um and with the headline of uh coach fox about to take the, you know, whatever job it was. I think he actually, in the series, ended up taking a job with. And Orlando uh-huh. and that was ended up being the end of the series. It was kind of like when, when Bruce Willis and Sybil Shepard got married. Yes. It was, it was the jump the shark moment. Yes, yeah. Yeah. Um anyway, uh so yeah. Oh, and that trust me, like
2: they're they're definitely passionate about it. They're not like, Oh, shrug, you know, we'll we'll see what happens. Like they, they want this guy to stay at Baylor. They after what they've achieved in, in year three there and in, in going from one and eleven to eleven and two now, um, I think they believe that this program is on solid ground again um, after everything they went through. Um, and and so, certainly, I think a lot of people are passionate that they don't want him to go. But the, the fact that this has happened now for the third time in three years, I think there's also – it creates a little bit of angst with the fan base of, you know, how often are we going to have to deal with this before, uh, you know, he finally moves on?
1: Uh, one thing, this was my first – kind of interaction with Matt Rule, uh, first kind of in-person exposure with him was uh, when they arrived at the airport about an hour before Georgia did, and he he is an impressive guy. Yeah. Um, he's just, he, he seems very down to earth. Um, he's it, It's funny that he's the guy that NFL teams are talking to because he came off as such an aw shucks, I can't believe I'm at the Sugar Bowl kind right. of guy. Right. Know, it was like, hey, I'm going to walk the same sideline as Bear Bryant. Um, you know, I, I get, maybe I'll meet Sean maybe Payton. I meet I'm here. Sean Payton. Yeah, yeah, it's like, hey, you might be a you, know, <laughs> you might be a peer of Sean Payton pretty quickly. Like right, one of thirty-two head coaches. It was it was it was funny, but yeah, it it, it does come off as. I, I'm curious, but you kind of got yeah. a little hint
2: of it. There's there's kind of a, a, a magnetic personality there where I think yeah. people are kind of drawn in by him, and I think that you know he he only worked in the NFL for one year. He was an assistant with the Giants for one year, not even a high level assistant, and and worked for Tom Coughlin. And, and I think in, in doing that and in, in the networking that came out of that job, I think he's just one of those guys that's just sort of impressed mm-hmm. everyone who's dealt with him. You know, he's he's been a rebuilder at Temple and at Baylor and a successful one. He's he's cranked out draft picks so he I think he's just with that personality and and some of the success he's had in two jobs uh I, he just has a way of winning over a lot of people
1: Kirby Smart has as much NFL experience I guess as Matt Rule yeah because he spent one year yeah with the Dolphins right he will tell you a lot um but a lot more separation I guess Kirby is seen as more of a college coach because he's the strong recruiter and hasn't shown the I mean, I, yeah, yeah. he, he took I, over a strong Georgia team and made it stronger. And. For sure,
2: for sure. I, and I think, you know, one thing that I think Matt Rule is trying to be sensitive to here and careful about is, you know, we're, we're about to go to this press conference where he'll have to talk for a good period of time, and, yep. and, and this will be talked about a lot. He's going to be yep. asked a lot th- these questions about the NFL from a lot of different angles, and I, I, I just don't think he wants to um he he's not going to say he'll never coach in the NFL or he'll never want to. I don't think he wants it to be a situation like Saban where you say it's not happening and then it happens, right? right. So he he has to choose his words carefully here and and, and all he's going to say right now is nothing's imminent, he's coaching this game then he's going on vacation. Uh but but certainly in the next 2 weeks I think uh, are, are
1: going to be fascinating to see kind of where his future lies. Kirby Smart's going to be asked at this press conference, and by the time you're hearing this, these press conferences have probably already happened. Mm -hmm. Um, He's going to be asked about the players that aren't here, and I think he's probably going to go back to what he's been saying and what he's instructed everybody, the players, the two coordinators made available to say, which is they only want to talk about the players that are here. Well, there are a lot of players that are not here. Um, I've been asked by a lot of Georgia fans this week for some context, like how many other programs are going through this. I know you're not. Max like scouring every other yeah. teams. But the 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 rundown on Georgia, and we don't know for sure, but we know that there are two guys who are sitting this out because of the draft. The two offensive linemen, Andrew Thomason, um, Isaiah Wilson. Mm-hmm. We know that there's at least one player who's academically ineligible. Another lineman, Ben Cleveland. I believe there are more who are academically ineligible. Um, there may be other players not available for other reasons. But the total number when you include injuries that we – know are not going to play in this game is 15 scholarship players. Now, that includes Lawrence Cager, Dominic Blaylock, uh, Justin Schaefer, names you may or may not know. Yeah, but, yeah. Um, but they th- these are injury guys. But you you count up everybody, it's 15, and then someone like Dwan Mathis, who hasn't played all year, backup quarterback, uh, would make it 16. We don't know if Dwan or uh, DeAndre Swift is going to play. That would make it 17. There may be some more. In context, mm-hmm. what, what's your reaction to that? As someone who doesn't cover Georgia,
2: no, I, I, I think it's interesting. I, I heard Matt Rule was was asked about this yesterday, and and his reaction I think is the same as as uh, you know Tom Herman last year or anybody else, and that would be look if Georgia wins, give Georgia a ton of credit, and if Baylor wins, try, please give Baylor a ton of credit, right? Because I think this is a team that you know Baylor Baylor didn't have the um, The first or second best roster in the Big 12 this year. They just didn't. This is a team that uh, overachieved in a lot of ways. That played really hard. That that won a lot of close games. Um, You know they've had injuries along the way. Their their linebacker. Clay Johnston. They lost him early in the season. He, he's so good. He was still a second-team All-Big 12 pick, even though he missed the final six, seven games of the season. And the guy that replaced him, Terrell Bernard, became a second-team All-Big 12 pick, too. They, they've they lost guys along the way. Charlie Brewer obviously uh, got knocked out of the Big 12 title game with a, a concussion, and that's concerning. That's the third one of his career. He's bouncing back and playing in this game, but you, you, you worry about that a little bit. You know, Baylor's been banged up a little bit, too. Not to the extent of Georgia. Baylor's not having a bunch of Guys, set out. Their, their receiver Denzel Mims, um, who, who I think will be a draft pick, senior receiver, uh, said he, he he would find it crazy to not play in a game like this. And um, I think Baylor's team has has rallied around that that that, that they're all in this together and all that. Um, I, I I think to me the one hang-up is like I quite frankly I'm not so sure that the backups who are taking over for Georgia in this game at, at various spots aren't still like higher-rated, more mm-hmm. talented players in a lot of ways than what Baylor's rolling out there. Baylor's got very experienced players um, and, and, and some some talented ones for sure, but I don't know that the talent gap is that dramatic when you pu- plug in some backups for Georgia uh, against
1: Baylor starters. Now, my, the thing about that is that Georgia did have guys out Last year, and they were still more talented than Texas. Yeah. But Texas wanted to be there more. Yeah. Um, So that ended up mattering. Now, people do forget it wasn't just DeAndre Baker sitting out. They had injured guys like uh, DeAndre Walker. Walker, yeah. Sacker, uh, Jordan Davis, then-freshman nose tackle, so key to their run defense, didn't play in the game because of an injury. Um, I think there might have been another guy or two. I'm forgetting. But this time, it's kind of just almost decimated on both sides of the ball. And you're right, though. They're plugging in the, the offensive line that Georgia is going to put out there, for instance, is still going to have a five star at left tackle. Yeah. Uh, Solomon Kinley, who's a redshirt junior, has been starter all year. Trey Hill, um, it's, those are the, you know, along with Cade Mays, the two guys were starting. Warren Erickson was a four star. He's going to be the right guard. Right tackle is going to be Jamari Sawyer, who was a five star. Yeah. Um, if DeAndre Swift plays, great. If he doesn't, Zamir White, five star. Uh, James Cook, top 50 recruit. Kenny McIntosh, running back that was only a four-star, but they really
2: like. But Baylor was not in the recruiting battle for any of those guys, Uh, I
1: guess. (laughs) J.R. Reed, All-American safety, not playing for Georgia. Right. Replaced by Louis Seen, freshman who was a top 50 recruit. Out of the state of Texas. Yeah, Yeah. out of the state of Texas. I could go on and on and go down the depth chart. But the experience part and the motivation part, does matter. I think the experience part is going to hurt Georgia not having J.R. Reed. The, the drop off from Reed to scene, long term seen, may be the better player. Yeah. Short term, that experience matters at that position and on defense, especially with J.R. Reed as an example. And, and same with the O line. On the other hand, does motivation loom larger? And are we underrating Georgia's motivation? I, yeah, I wonder I, about I,
2: that. I, I wonder this. Like, Do you think that with the context of last year, and then coming back yes. to this exact same venue, yes. do you think these guys have probably, in some ways, been like shamed about that for yes. the past few weeks to the point where they they're like, okay, we have to, we we have to come out and kick yes. ass in this one.
1: Yeah, Kirby Smart and his staff. He gathered his staff together after last year's debacle here, and had everyone write up a list of ways that they thought that they could approach it better if they were in the same situation this year. Which they ended up being, mm-hmm. um, so they have that to fall back on. I think it, in a way, helps them to be back here at this exact same spot. If they'd gone to the Orange Bowl instead, there might be a little bit of welcome to Miami kind of feel to it, sure. like you know. But while they've got some guys here, like the freshman class and anybody else who wasn't here last year, who this is new to them, it's not new to most of these people. So they come back and they kind of get reminders of last year and yeah. then the ultimate reminder of they got embarrassed in the game and I think that helps I've, I've just had the sense Max from the beginning that I thought Georgia was going to show up for this game now I meant that as in they were going to show up most of the players were going to show up too I didn't know that they were going to be down potentially up to 20 scholarship players right. who and, and like about a dozen players who literally were not going to show up um, so the I, I think the motivation part I think we may be underrating for Georgia. I think Mm -hmm. they may show up mentally. But then we get back to, are they good enough? I mean, the offense has to score. And if Georgia's offense doesn't score, then anything can happen.
2: Yeah, this is a – I think the way that this Baylor team uh, was set up this year um, is a big reason why they're here in New Orleans. And uh, you saw it in their two matchups against Oklahoma, one of the best offenses in the country. Uh, Every Big 12 team Baylor played this year – They held them below their season average in in scoring. And in in a lot of cases, they held them below their season average by 10 or more points. And so um, I I think that they, you know, this is a defense that has, uh, you know, they basically could lose all but one player off this defense going into next year. It's full of veterans. Uh, They're close to 250 career starts on this defense. And what they're doing um, with with their odd stack defense, with a, a really dominant defensive line, in, in James Lynch, Bravion Roy, and James Lockhart, um, they have that that defense has really set the tone against teams this year. Um, they they're, they're the only the only other team besides Baylor is Clemson to have 40 sacks and 30 takeaways in a season. So I think Baylor can in this game play the kind of defense that prevents this from being a kind of runaway blowout yeah. for Georgia. And, um, and, and and although in some ways maybe that plays into Georgia's offensive style a little bit more, that there, this can be a little bit more of a patient game and a power game. I don't know. What do you think?
1: Yeah, I, I wonder about, I mean, for people that don't watch anything other than the SEC, mm-hmm. you kind of think of Baylor and you think of the Art Briles type program, and that's not what this is. This no. is not your Big 12, you know, win every game 50 to 45 type um so it, it Matt, kinda... Matt,
2: Matt Rule has all these NFL offers because he plays an NFL style yeah. of offense and defense, and he wants to play that style of game, and that's that's not too unlike uh, the head coach of not, Georgia, yeah,
1: and people are happy with that at Baylor at Georgia they're not as happy about it, not so happy because either. they they see them getting run off the field by LSU and they see LSU and Alabama. Uh, Modernizing their offense and going pass happy. I mean, let let me ask you about that. Outside perspective, when you see what Georgia does. I mean, you've seen Georgia, maybe not in person, but you've seen Georgia in the Mm -hmm. SEC Championship. You've seen them in some high-profile games. You see their style of offense. You hear about this criticism. You see what LSU and Alabama and the the, the direction that college football is going. What would you do if you're Kirby (laughs) Smart? Do you you criticize the the man-ball approach, the physical, run-oriented approach, or, or or what?
2: Yeah, it's funny. I think I remember at one point during the season, uh, probably a month or, or so ago, uh, as, as Georgia was bouncing back from the South Carolina loss and, and getting on a roll, Andy and I joked a bit about we, we'd love to see fun Georgia come out mm-hmm. to play, you know, where, where, where they, um, you know, it, and certainly at the time, I think Cager was getting back and, the, you know, you had some of the more, some more of the weapons at wide receiver. But it, it would be fun to see. What does Jake Fromm look like if they, if they were determined to open it up a little bit? I don't think the run game would suffer that much. I don't think you're, you're yeah. throwing all of that system you have in the trash um, by doing so. But, um, you know, I think, I mean, come on, even, even in the times when you saw they were sort of desperate and had to move the ball down the field uh, and, and try to get a quick score, they were able to do that sometimes this year by
1: opening it up. Yeah, I mean, the, the, here's what they did. They came into the season. And they looked at their strengths, and they said, we got a really good backfield, we've got a really great offensive line, we've got a third-year starting quarterback, we've got a lot of questions at tight end and wide receiver, Yeah. so we're going to play to our strengths. Well, should they have gone the other way? Should they have said, we are going to open up, we're going to go a little bit more pass happy, and we're going to rely on the fact that Jake Fromm is a proven good quarterback, despite what people now say mm-hmm. and you have a line that will protect him and we are going to open it up and kind of give the receivers space to make plays even if they are young and unproven and then we kind of fall back on the running game Yeah, uh, you pass to set up the run um, in hindsight they probably should have done that because when they did open it up like against the Florida game yeah. it worked in the Florida game They get to the SEC Championship, and they had a good game plan, but they just couldn't, they they hadn't done that all year. They hadn't been this wide-open passing offense, so when you say, now we're going to do that, it's harder to do that.
2: It is, and it's hard to, you know, it's hard to spend an offseason going in one direction and then in August sort of have an epiphany and, and, and change that, right? Yeah. But, it, it, you know, it's worth noting, um, you know, the last two winners of the Joe Moore Award for Best Offense Line in College Football are LSU and Oklahoma. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. I, I think Georgia, I think we knew Georgia had that type of yeah. a line. Um, that doesn't mean you have to exclusively be a team that just pounds it down people's throats mm-hmm. and, and play sort of that traditional style. I think you can open it up and take advantage of of that advantage. And I think you could trust Jake Fromm enough. You don't think he would be like a turnover machine mm-hmm. or, or overly inaccurate if you
1: entrusted him to open it up, don't you think? No. Jake Fromm played in a spread in high school. He's right. talked about the fact that that he had some adjustments when he got to Georgia and had to adjust to a pro style. I mean there's there's people who think that they are catering this offense to Jake Fromm and you know this is why they kept Jake Fromm over Justin Fields and blah 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 blah. No, they this is the offense they want to do. I remember talking to Justin Fields last year before he transferred and he said he wanted to come to Georgia because he wanted to play in a pro style offense because he wanted to be an NFL quarterback. Yeah. Well, I mean, are we in a 2012 mindset with that because our NFL teams now looking to the college level and saying no, we're we're actually we're opening it up. I mean, we're we're changing the definition hey, of pro
2: I'll, style. I'll tell you what, we, we weren't talking about Joe Burrow as the number one pick in the draft at the start of this season, yeah. right? And I'm not not that's not to say that if you go change your offense, you instantly turn your quarterback into a guy who's completing seventy nine percent of his passes. That's that's not going to be the case. We were talking
1: about Jake Fromm. I mean, right? Yeah, he was getting some mention as number right. one guy. It was it was Fromm or Tua or Justin Herbert. You know. Right, I totally. I, I I think if
2: you set him up to succeed by by with a system that gets guys in space and 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 allows him to take advantage of his accuracy, I, I think it would be. I, I think it would be really interesting. And I, I think the thing that's dangerous, though, you think about 2018 LSU. They talked a big game about going in this direction uh, under Steve Ensminger, but like you can't. There, you can't really like take half measures with this stuff, right. right? And and when they brought in Joe Brady and went all the way in that direction, you saw the results. And obviously, it's it's hard to find a guy like Joe Brady who really takes that thing over the top like they did. But if you're going to do it, you got to do it, right? You can't just you can't just tell James Coley, okay, this is what we want to do now. Please turn it into that, right? And that's what yeah. that's what LSU tried well, to do last year.
1: And and I think I've said this on previous podcasts and, and other places, but. James Coley had the reputation for being Mm pass-happy at Miami. Um, He gets the job. He gets promoted to the job at Georgia. Is he then given the keys to run the offense he wanted to run? Now, James Coley has gotten a lot of criticism this year. How much of it is deserved? How much of it is more circumstance? How much of it is that he's being told, you know, this is what you're going to do by Mm -hmm. Kirby? Um, I asked him that question in the press conference, and, you know, he— kind of dodged it he's not going to come out and say it he just said what he needed to say which is that it's all you know it's my responsibility and everything i mean there's a lot of secrecy about georgia and what it does and kirby smart's also not going to as we spin it forward kirby smart's not going to get up at a press conference and announce all right everybody we're going to we're modernizing (laughs) the offense no more man ball right um you know he's not going to announce it Mark Richt and Mike Bobo, when they had this team in the early two, uh, earlier this decade, they did not get out and announce we're going to go to no huddle, and we're going to go to RPOs, we're going to go to three wide receiver, four wide receiver sets most of the time. They just did it. Mm-hmm. And if that happens at Georgia, I, I tend to think that's what's going to
2: happen. Do, do you think in a game like this where. Like well, I I think there's probably a little bit of a difference. Where in some ways, I wonder if Georgia takes takes playing Texas a little more seriously than takes playing Baylor because Baylor, you know, doesn't have that same Baylor has some NFL players, but Baylor doesn't have that same overall talent level uh, that Texas did. They've they've raised it up under Matt Rule, but do do you do you wonder if this is sort of the kind of game the the kind of Uh, you know, exhibition in some ways where why not try some of that stuff? Why why not try to take a different approach and, and like maybe the stakes for, for this game are like just right that you can take some chances.
1: You wonder how they do that with the personnel they have Uh, for sure. They, they have from, but they've got, you know, they're down three starters on the O line. Although one of them is, They're down two and a half, Yeah, uh, because Ben Cleveland was kind of part-time. They're down Brian Harrion, a tailback, who was their second tailback. They may be down their number one tailback. They don't have Lawrence Cager. They don't have Dominic Blaylock. um, So they're rolling out there with George Pickens, Tyler Simmons, um, Matt Landers. uh, (laughs) You say rolling out there with George Pickens like it's a bad thing. You know what I mean? That's where it's at, though. Yeah. but they're they're down, like, everywhere. Yeah. And so I think they just, in a lot of ways, just want to get through this game. Yeah. But it would be interesting if, if they did have a chance to kind of collect themselves after the SEC championship and say, all right, do we want to just kind of have some fun yeah. in this game? Just say, hey, Jake, what do you want to do? Yeah. Now, but do they have time to do that, though? Like, once the game ended, they went to recruit. Right. And then, you know, recruiting bled into actual bowl practice. I'm not sure how much time they had to, like, actually sit down and, like, blow up the offense. I I, I think that would tend to happen. Right.
2: And that's completely. Completely. I'm I'm not saying that uh, they they threw it all in the trash and and are starting over for this game. But. You know that doesn't mean you don't have things in your playbook mm-hmm. that you can try to lean in that direction a little yeah. bit, and which and is certainly, what they tried
1: to do against LSU, right? And it didn't work because they were at that point again down receivers. I I think Curry Smart badly wants to win this game. Yeah. So stick to what you know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, but I, I, like I said, they did do different stuff against uh, against LSU. It just didn't work because. LSU's defense, number one, is better than people thought, mm-hmm. as we you know saw against Oklahoma too. Um, you know, I, and I think they're even if DeAndre Swift doesn't play, I think they probably feel better about their running backs than they do about their receivers.
2: Yeah, at this point. yeah, that makes sense. I, 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 what's your expectation? I guess for kind of how this this game plays out, given what you know about about what George is lacking. Huh.
1: Man, you're, you're asking me during a season where Georgia lost at home to South Carolina, um, played so many close games, and won them like Florida and Auburn. Um, I, I picked Georgia to win those games, and I picked them to lose against LSU. I, I, what I'm saying is I don't I don't know what Georgia team's going to show up. Yeah. I don't have a great feel for it. Honestly, I don't remember what I picked last year uh, against Texas. I mean, I think I picked them to win, um, but I don't remember whether I picked them to cover the spread or, or whatever. I would expect a close game. I'd, I'd be surprised if Georgia came out and steamrolled Baylor, uh, given everybody they have out. I do expect yeah. Georgia to be motivated, but I do ultimately think that the ceiling for this offense right now is 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 not high, and that Baylor's going to be motivated too.
2: I think so. And in and one, you know, there there have been a lot of moments this season. When it should have turned bad for Baylor, um, you know they could have lost in, in, in double overtime to Texas Tech. They could have lost in, in multiple overtimes to TCU. Uh, they, I mean, they they played an eight point game with Rice to early on in non conference yep. play. They, they played a lot of close games this year. Yeah. But you think about the last one they played; they lose Charlie Brewer in the first half of that game, and and at that point you're saying, okay, they're they're kind of toast for this one. Oklahoma's just too good, um, and and they with with uh, their, their backup quarterback. Gary Bohannon's injured, uh, has a knee injury, tries to play through it, plays poorly. They throw in Jacob Zeno, who had only played in one college game his entire career. And he he tosses a couple touchdowns and gives them a chance to go to overtime against Oklahoma um, and, and and play another extremely close game with Oklahoma. Um, I, I think th- even in that situation, I couldn't believe it watching it live. And I, I think that that doesn't mean Baylor has you know is going to go go beat Georgia, but I think Baylor has all the tools to keep it close mm-hmm. and and to make it competitive into the fourth. Or if they fall behind. To catch up, um, I think their defense allows them to keep a game in 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 reach, mm-hmm. and um, I, I just I think uh, I, I, I think it'll be a tight. I, I would still pick Georgia personally um, it, because I think the I think as we talked about, I just think the motivation part of this is different for Georgia this year. I, I think they know how bad it would look if uh, if they didn't bring it in this one.
1: There's a, a casino for those of us. Or those of you unaware, yes, uh, there very is very near here. Harrah's. Um, there is not sports betting there yet. Probably will be yeah. in the coming years, but there is not now. But if there were sports betting there, um, and I were told to go place a bet, which, by the way, I do not do that. I think it's unethical, and I'm not winking as I say this or cross. No, the he's years. not. I I think it's unethical for someone who co- co- covers college sports to have skin in the game monetarily. But if I if I did that. I would bet Georgia, but I wouldn't put a lot of money on it. I, I, I ultimately <laughs> you take the money line, but I maybe ulti- not the maybe not
2: the spread. There, well, Seth. I, I yeah.
1: <laughs> what is the spread at this point? Like four and a half? Uh, we something? have
2: to look. I think it was was it? In the, it's gone
1: down a little bit every time we get. News I feel like about when I got here, it was was yeah. it six and a half something like that? Yeah. I mean, I I think I still rely on Georgia's superior talent, and I look at what LSU did to Oklahoma. Yeah, the two teams that. These two teams most recently played, um, and I kind of lean on that, and I yeah. lean on that. I think, like I, like we said, I think Georgia's more motivated than people may be giving them credit for, but I have extreme caution considering, A, Georgia's offense still has to score points, and B, man, Georgia's down Andrew Thomas, Isaiah Wilson, J.R. Reed, um, not to mention Ben Cleveland, not to mention the guys that were already hurt. I mean, Dominic Blaylock got hurt in the SEC championship, so they've they're playing their first full game without him. Right, um, a depleted receiving core, um, and there could there could be other guys that you know, is DeAndre Swift going to play? Um, there's just so many questions about this Georgia team that I don't think you can be like very confident about their chances.
2: Can I can I ask you another question from this your time here? What's yeah. the best thing you've
1: eaten? Uh I don't want the years to bleed into each other cuz this is my second straight <laughs> year here but uh you know I go everywhere and I eat jambalaya. I'm, yeah. I'm a jambalaya and gumbo guy. Um but we were at uh, a few of the beat riders and I were at DW Finns the other day. Is it DW or GW? I haven't been there. Okay. Tell me about this. Um it's a it's a great place that you know fishes are their specialties but it's not just the, the type of fish, they and they cook the fish well, but it's how they season it and how they, you know, they, the accoutrements and mm-hmm, stuff. And mm-hmm. just everything about the place is great. And I had uh, drum, local drum that was had a great seasoning, and I'd, I'd go with that. And yeah. today I'm going to go out and fish also off the waters of Louisiana and hopefully catch some drum. find Find
2: your own drum. And bring yeah. it back to I had some blackened drum last night. That was fantastic. Yeah. 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 Um, I think uh, – Man, it's been fun to be I've never actually been in New Orleans. Like, I've, I've come out here. Really? Yeah, uh, weird, weirdly enough. I, I came out here a couple times last year, you know, before we had Brody Miller covering LSU for us. We didn't have an LSU beat writer, right? Yeah. And so I would popped down to Baton Rouge a couple times last season as as, as they were going through their rise. Um, but, you know, you fly to New Orleans and, and hit the road right to Baton Rouge and never really spent time here. So this has been a lot of fun. Um have 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 eaten a lot. Have not exercised a lot. So I'm gonna have to yeah. pay for this when it's all yeah. over. But um, boy, there's Galliano. I don't know if you noticed that one. There, that's just right down the block here uh, from the hotel we're staying at. I've not been there yet. Had a just a ridiculous um, pork chop there. Um, and uh, Kushan Butcher had a had an unbelievable there, sandwich. I there. there. I was
1: there for lunch yesterday. What'd you um, get? Um, I got the what was it called? Uh, it was it the Moroccan lamb? Oh. Uh, tzatziki. Okay. Um, but we did a, we did a like tapas kind of thing. We ordered uh-huh. a couple different things. They had a really good coleslaw. The, the thing about, Louise, New Orleans that I love is the sides are great. Yeah. You know I mean, it's not just the jambalaya and the gumbo, which I get everywhere, basically. I can I can get it. But like, you know, the, um, the coleslaw was good. They have good potato salad. Like they really The red were, beans and rice, it, obviously. red beans and rice, obviously. Yeah. Um, they were, it, yesterday also at, at Cochon Butcher, like uh, Brussels sprouts. They do Brussels sprouts. Yeah. They season them.
2: It, it, but they're not like was... overly fried or anything. They were, no, they were no, no.
1: Like, yeah.
2: just marinated and yeah. really good. And I got a, a bacon melt there that was unbelievable.
1: Yeah, I did not get that, but I've had bacon downstairs every morning here, and I've <laughs> got to pay for that when I get back. No home. doubt. All right, Max. Well, um, it's been a pleasure. I guess we'll go cover a press conference now that everyone listening to this would have already known if, if Matt Rule announces that he is not going anywhere. He Gosh, is. yeah. Something,
2: hopefully something like controversial doesn't happen in this press conference that totally invalidates the, the podcast we yeah, just recorded.
1: Yeah, well, we talk around that. Um, but uh, yeah, thank you for coming on the Damn Good Podcast, which as I always say, it's damn better when I'm not the one carrying it. And thank <laughs> you for coming here and carrying it. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me.
0: We just stepped on their face with a hobnail boot and broke their nose. We just crushed their face.